0: Amen. Amen. I know y'all sound great. Our text comes from John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. And my wife is here in the chat right now. Honey, say hello to everybody. I don't know why, but I'm missing you right now, baby. It's going to be a good Mother's Day for you. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> anyway, John chapter number 19, verse number 26. The scripture says when Jesus therefore saw his mother. And the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Today on this Mother's Day weekend, I want to minister to you from the poignant or from this poignant, powerful mother-son moment. A message that I'm calling, oh, how he loves you And me, let's pray. Father, would you speak to our hearts? Would you minister by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit exactly what people who are tuning in need to hear today? I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. You know, during trying times, and especially during trying times that last a long time, it's common for people to struggle with the question Does God really love me? When I lose my job, does God really love me? When I get sick, does God really love me? When my loved one passes on, does God really love me? When my marriage is on the rocks, does God really love me? When I'm addicted and I can't break free, does God really love me? When I can't celebrate one of the most important moments in my life, my college graduation, does God really love me? But then we come to the cross. And that question and the corresponding doubt is dealt a death blow because Jesus answers the age-old question, Lord, how much do you love me? And he stretches out his arms and says, this much, and he died. Today I pray that your faith is lifted as we look into this scene between this mother and a son. And I hope that in doing so, you're going to see all how much he loves you and me. As we come to the text, we find what has been commonly referred to as the word of relationship by theologians. It is the third saying of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Interestingly enough, it is only recorded in the Gospel of John. And I think probably because John is really highlighted in this particular saying of Jesus. And is perhaps the least thought of of all of the seven sayings of Jesus. But in my opinion, it's one of the most powerful because it gives us a perspective of just how much god loves you and me in the first portion of the text we see number one how much john loved jesus matter of fact john is the writer of this gospel and john says this john chapter 19 verse number 26 when jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by Can you see John stick out his chest as he wrote that, and the disciple that Jesus loved? Can you see him with a smile from ear to ear? You know, John has probably got one of them face masks on right now that says, Jesus loves me. You know, John is wearing the t-shirt. John's got a trophy on his mantle, and it says, Jesus loved me, the disciple that Jesus loved. What a way to see yourself as the disciple Jesus loved. Not the disciple that constantly struggles. Not the disciple who dows all the time. Not the disciple who makes mistakes. And John could have saw himself as the disciple that made mistakes. After all, John was one of the ones who wanted to call down fire from heaven and kill people. You know, John was one of the ones who was arguing about being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and being honored by sitting at the right hand of Jesus. John could have saw his, himself through his mistakes, but instead he saw himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Church history tells us that when they tried, they tried to boil John alive in a vat of hot oil because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. And so they put him in the hot oil, and then they stuck in a hook to try to pull him out. And history says when they tried to pull him out, that he was sitting on top of the hook singing, and they couldn't kill him. And so they... Uh, exiled him to the isle of patmos and you know there he wrote the book of revelation and i can picture as they pulled him out of the hot oil saying to john john what are you thinking about and john going i'm the disciple that jesus loved there's something about seeing yourself as loved by almighty god and because he saw himself this way he was able to stand when all the other disciples scattered No other disciple was there with Jesus at the cross but John. Peter attempted to stay, but when the struggle got real, he wasn't able to stand and instead he swore like a sailor. But not John. John stood when everybody else scattered. Crisis. And the cross was just that to the disciples. It was a crisis moment. It'll thin out a crowd crisis will show you what you're really made of crisis will reveal your character what and who you really love and who really loves you truth is we really do get forged in the fire there jesus is and he, he's hanging on the cross and he and i could see him kind of making a roll call with his eyes peter not there james not there Andrew, not there. Simon, not there. Philip, not there. Thomas, not there. Bart, short for Bartholomew. Who, who says Bartholomew? Bart, not there. The other James, not there. Matthew, not there. Thaddeus, not there. Judas, of course, not there. John, present. John was there. Oh, how John loved Jesus And he loved him because he knew how much Jesus loved him. And so he was able to stand when others were scattered. There is standing power in knowing that God loves you. Matter of fact, the scripture says that our faith works by love. It stands strong when we realize that God is lovesick about us. Doesn't mean that we'll always understand everything, but it does mean... Then we'll hold up under pressure. Does mean that there'll be a grace to keep on grinding when life shouts at us to give up. It does mean that there'll be a supernatural strength to keep on standing when life shouts shrink back or stop moving forward. In Ephesians, we're told, having done all to stand, stand therefore. How do you do that? You stand knowing God loves you. You stand knowing that God is for you. You stand knowing that God is not against you. You stand knowing that God is by your side. You stand knowing that God is in your corner. You stand knowing that God has your best interest at mind. You stand knowing that even though you may not understand, God has a good plan. Even though you can't see it, that God is still working. You may have to look through the tears, but know that you're loved. You may have to persevere through the pain, but you can stand in the knowledge that God loves you. There is standing power in knowing that God loves you. John loved Jesus because he knew how much Jesus loved him, just like us. We love him, the scripture says, because he first loved us. But then secondly in the text, we see how Mary loved Jesus. A cursory look at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, could lead one to look with envious eyes, to which I would say, look again. You would think, what an amazing thing to be the mother of Jesus. She she would have, you would have thought, got a lot of compliments about Jesus, you know. Jesus was so well behaved today, Mother Mary, the teacher said. Jesus got a hundred on all of his tests again. Jesus won the Christian Character Award. Jesus made straight A's on his report card. Jesus turned the other cheek when everybody was picking on him. Even though he was in right, he made, he was in the, in the right, he made peace anyway. Jesus hit the home run in the little league game to win the game. I was so impressed that Jesus was able to recite the whole book of numbers in class today, Mother Mary. That's kind of not fair because he kind of wrote the thing. You would think that it would be an awesome thing to be the mother of Jesus, except, except when he was 12 years old and he ran off and they didn't know where he was for three days. Where was he? He was in the temple learning from the teachers. They didn't look there because what 12-year-old kid do you know that wants to be in church for three days straight? Except when she had to endure being thought of as promiscuous because she was pregnant out of wet, wedlock. Except... When she had to hear the under her breath comments by the gossip girls. As he grew up saying, I wonder if he's really Joseph's. Except when she had to deal with people thinking that he was demon possessed and empowered by the devil. Except as she watched him constantly being plotted against. Constantly being accused of stuff he didn't do. Being unjustly treated. Being uh, accused of a crime that he really didn't commit. And of course, watching him as he hung On that cross. What sacrifice she made. What unwavering love she had. What a picture of a mother's love. When everybody else hated him, talked about him, plotted against him and ostracized him. She loved him. Mary was the epitome of a mother's love. I found this on the internet. A mother's love, it says, is nothing. A mother's love is like nothing else in the world. It's both strong and gentle. It's both loud and quiet. It's unrelenting and yielding. It's protecting and releasing. It's demanding and unassuming. It's one thing in one moment and another thing in the next moment. It changes with a child's needs, but it's always there. It's unmoving. The love of a mother is primal when faded, or when faced with grave danger. She'll stop at nothing. And spare no one who threatens the life of her child. The love of a mother is sobering. Rose-colored glasses give way to fear, worries, and doubts for our child's safety. Because now life is more than about just having a good time. A mother's love is different in different seasons. The love of a mother turns her attention to our little ones. And away from the former hobbies and interests and pursuits that are too costly and self-focused. The love of a mother makes time to pour into herself knowing that's the best thing that she could do for our family. The love of a mother says, I will stop doing this big thing because right now I have more important work to do at home. The love of a mother doesn't use children as an excuse to put off the scary task she is called to do right now. Knowing that the choices that she makes now will affect her child's future. A mother's love helps her to do her absolute best. The love of a mother nourishes her baby at her breast day to day, sometimes hour to hour, though she hasn't had a full night's sleep in perhaps days. The love of a mother carefully selects ingredients for meals for her children to help them grow strong and healthy and boost their immune systems. The love of a mother serves canned fruit and processed meals, balancing the worry between fresh fruit, which would be better because $20 only goes so far. The love of a mother means different things to different women. The love of a mother helps her To stay in a hard marriage when it's best for her kids because she knows the security and well-being of her children is more important than feeling butterflies. The love of a mother gives strength to overcome fear of the unknown and flee the family home for the sake of our children's safety. The love of a mother spends thousands of dollars each year to give our children the best opportunities that an education that money can buy. The love of a mother sees her child's spirit withering at school and disguised to homeschool instead in place, in a place of safety and belonging. The love of a mother says, I'll keep you. I'll raise you. I'll love you. And I'm neither prepared, even though I'm neither prepared or ready for this job. And lastly, the love of a mother looks different in different places. The love of a mother will place her family on a boat and flee a war-torn country, risking peril in hopes of finding a safe haven. The love of a mother suppresses guilt and jealousy as she drops her baby off each morning at care, wishing that she could do that work instead of the work that puts a roof over their head. The love of a mother sustains her when there is barely enough food to feed her children, let alone leftovers. The love of a mother says, I will birth you, and I will love you, and I will cherish you, even though my government says you're inferior. The love of a mother says, I don't care what other people think about my choices. I will do what I think is best for you, even if it's not popular because popular only mattered in high school. The love of a mother. That was Mary and more. That was what she epitomized. Oh, how she loved Jesus. But then in the text, we see how Jesus loved Mary and John. He was on the cross, he was being crucified. He had nails in his hands and in his feet. His back was completely shredded because of a Roman whip. His face was swollen from being beaten. He was wearing a thorn crown. He was struggling to breathe. He was longing for water to drink. And through his eyes that were nearly swollen shut, he looked down. He said, woman, behold your son. And to his disciple, behold your mother. Of all the things to think about when you were on the cross, to think about the care of your mother in the trust of your best friend. Most scholars agree by this time that Joseph had passed on and Jesus was the eldest son. And so it was his responsibility and honor to care for his mother for the rest of her life. Something that our world needs to be reminded of. I realize that sometimes... Our older parents and grandparents need full-time help, and so there's no shame in that. But it's not just to push them off. We should consider it an honor to take care of our aging elderly. In Bible times, widows were dependent upon their oldest son if their husband died to be cared for. And it was Jesus' high honor to take care of Mary. And here Jesus is on the cross And he knows that he's not going to be able to do that anymore. And he thinks of all the things, who am I going to entrust my mother to? Oh, how he loved his mother. But interestingly enough, he doesn't entrust his mother to the care of his brothers. And by the way, contrary to popular religious belief, Jesus did have siblings. Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. It says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? James was the next oldest. And it would have been common for Jesus to have put his mother in the care of James. And so why didn't he put his mother in the care of one of his brothers? Because we know that his brothers were not yet believers. And that Mary is going to live a life where she needs somebody who understands what she went through because of who Jesus was. And so Jesus doesn't entrust his mother's care to John, to, to, his, to his brothers, but he entrust them to John, who is his best friend, his most loyal follower, because John was a believer without hesitation. The scripture says that self-same hour, he took her into his own home. Oh, how Jesus loved John. Oh, how he loved Mary. Notice when he says, woman, behold thy son. This is not a disrespectful term. It's a term of endearment. Matter of fact, some scholars believe that the reason why Jesus said woman is because he didn't want to break our heart by saying from the cross, mother. And so out of respect, he dialed it back just a minute so that she wouldn't be more heartbroken than what she was. And not only does he say by his words how much he loves us, but the timing of his of his words, how much he loves her. It's the third saying from the cross. And I think this is so significant. That the third saying on the cross is to care for his mother. Why the third saying? I think because Jesus wanted to remind her of what I'm sure she heard him say. That don't worry, in three days from now, I am going to be risen again. In three days from now, your pain is going to turn into a promise. In three days from now, your despair is going to turn into hope. In three days from now, your sorrow is going to be swallowed up in joy. Jesus, even in the timing... Of his words. Is letting Mary know. I love you mom. That's how much I love you. And I just feel like the Holy Ghost is saying right now. To tell somebody that's watching. Who's lost a loved one. During this pandemic. That your pain. Will eventually give way. To joy. Because Jesus has made a way for all those who put their trust in him. To live forever. In a place called heaven. But oh, how he loved his mother. Oh, how he loved his best friend. Oh, how John loved Jesus. Oh, how Mary loved Jesus. But lastly, in our text, oh, how he loves you and me. I want you to take yourself into the scene right now. I want you to see yourself in your mind's eye standing at the foot of the cross. Don't fool yourself. If you were actually a disciple during that time, you probably wouldn't have been there. But right now, just, just take yourself there and see how John loved him. See how Mary loved him. See how he loved his best friend and his mother. And ask yourself this question. As the enemy launches so many questions your way while on lockdown, those questions we looked at at the beginning I lost my job. Does God love me? I'm sick. Does God love me? My marriage is on the rocks. Does God love me? My loved one passed on. Does God love me? My graduation is canceled. Does God love me? I'm behind on my mortgage payment and they won't work with me even though they were told they're supposed to. Does God love me? And in the middle of those questions that are sent your way to keep you quarantined from Christ, see yourself at the foot of the cross. See yourself at the resurrection of Christ. See how he loved his best friend. See how he loved his his mother. And ask yourself this question. Why would he do it? Why would he who had the power to call on a legion of angels to rescue him stay on the cross? Why would he who with a word could have canceled everything that was happening to him and be reunited with his mother and his loved one? Why would he do it? Why, why, why? Here's why. Listen to this.
1: Oh, how he loves you when me. Oh, how he loves you.
0: Question was asked what held him there some people would say it was the spikes six inches long or more some people would say it was the beating that he took but it was the cords of love that held him there and the fact that Jesus chose to stay there with his best friend who he loved with all his heart was standing there who his mother whose heart was broken was standing there says something so profound. It says, oh, how he loves you and me. A love so great that I don't know if we'll ever be able to wrap our brains around it. But a love that needs to be shared right now, a love that you need to know right now, As questions and doubts fill your heart and your mind. I challenge you to look to the cross and realize, oh, how he loves you and me. Many have called this third word from the cross the word of relationship. The word that brought Mary and John into a new relationship with one another. And make no mistake about it, it is a word of relationship. And it's a word of relationship to remind us that we were not meant to be alone. That we were not meant to be distant or isolated or quarantined. That we need each other. That even though we're in a temporary new normal of not being able to gather together. We should never settle for that because that would be the enemy winning in this situation. We should all look forward to the day where we could gather again together. They're saying that we may never hug each other again. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna be hugging people again because we were meant for hugs and we were meant for handshakes and we were meant to be together. The word of relationship. But the real relationship that Jesus came to bring us into into through the cross is a new and living relationship with our Heavenly Father. And wherever you are watching right now, I'm sure that there are some of you who feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart. Maybe you're not normally emotional, but right now you feel sensitive. Right now you're tearing up. Right now you feel something and you're trying to fight it. Don't fight it. That's the Holy Spirit wooing you into relationship with our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're here today and that's you. There's a second verse to the hymn. It says, Jesus to Calvary did go. His love for sinners to show. What he did there brought hope from despair. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Jesus wants to give you hope in the midst of despair. And that hope is found in a personal relationship with him. And so if that's you feeling the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, I want you to bow your heart. I know that sounds weird, but bow your heart and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me As I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, you received the greatest gift that you can ever receive, a gift that will give you a life partner, somebody who will walk with you through the very fires of life and help you to get to the other side. If you prayed that prayer, your sins are washed away, you're on your way to heaven, and we want to know about it. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching on church online, there's a little button that says, Raise My Hand. Ra- hit that button. Let us know because we want to reach out to you and help you with, in your journey with the Lord. If you're watching on Facebook or Instagram or some other medium, write the word Jesus in the chat. We want to reach out to you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. Thanks so much for watching, but don't just stop there. Click the Watch Live button in the description below to join us for Faith Church Online every Sunday morning. And while you're there, you can set a reminder to come back Sundays at 9 and 11. If you'd also like to learn more about getting involved here at Faith Church, you can click the Connect button. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so that you don't miss a single video and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you again for watching. And as always, remember, with Jesus, you are destined to win.